So in the, in the Buddhist teachings, we're introduced to craving right away, right out of the gate, really. It's in the teaching, the very first sermon that the Buddha gave on the Four Noble Truths. And he lists it as the, the second noble truth, the cause of suffering, tanha. Uh, and I don't know about you, but that, just putting it that way gets my attention. You know, This seems to be a significant uh, pointing here where a lot of the action is. Uh, and this is how he puts it. He says, um, uh, this craving is to be abandoned. It's to be overcome. Uh, and we want to see this craving. We want to learn about it in our practice and, and free ourselves from it, basically, so that at, at the very least we can live a little bit happier life, you know, and at best um, this capacity to uproot craving rooted in ignorance in the heart uh, has the capacity to take us all the way to freedom. So, you know, it, it behooves us to turn uh, with interest to what it is that he's saying here and to look for it in our practice. And it is indeed through the meditation practice itself that we see this. And so he describes uh, this cause of suffering using what, what, at first read anyway, I found to be some unusual language you know, uh, and there are a number of translations of this uh, particular sentence, but this is the one that uh, I like the best. He says, this is the craving that makes for further becoming, accompanied by passion and delight, relishing now here and now there. I love that. That now here and now there, that constant going back and forth uh, between things that we're um, finding delight in the craving for sensual pleasure, craving for becoming, and craving for non-becoming. There's a lot in there, and, you know, I can't unpack it all tonight, Um, but there's uh, some very subtle implications and and meanings that are being laid out in that very simple sentence. But I think it's worth stating at the outset that particularly this phrase, uh, the, the, the craving that makes for further becoming... You know, just to contemplate that a little bit and uh, recognize that what the Buddha is, is pointing to here very clearly, it's a very clear reference to rebirth, um, and that he's talking about samsara, that constant uh, being born and reborn in this endless cycle of birth and rebirth uh, because of having died in ignorance. Um, samsara, that there's, a, there's actually a new development near me called Samsara Estates. <laughs> and I drove past it once, I almost drove off the road. <laughs> I thought, you know, they might want to rethink that name. But really, um, then, I, then my next thought was, no, that's about right. <laughs> it's pretty much where we're all living, isn't it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, th- but this is it's, an, it's a significant teaching, and it's what he saw. Um, I think really just to contemplate where it proceeds from. This is what he saw on the night of his awakening, where in one of the watches, I forget, I think it might have been the first watch of the night, where he's 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 raising this question in his mind: Why do we suffer? And um, this is the thing, the question that gave rise to his quest. You know, why do we suffer? I want to figure this out. I want to understand it. And which, you know, as the, as the story goes, we all know very well, uh, led to his own liberation that very night. So uh, getting free of suffering, then, is no less than getting off this wheel, 
putting a complete and utter end to the uh, craving rooted in ignorance that is driving the whole thing, propelling us into birth after birth after birth. So now, really, some people don't, you know, don't love this whole rebirth thing. And, you know, fair enough. You, you don't have to go there if, if you don't want to. But I do want to note it, that, that this is clearly what's being pointed to in this teaching. And don't want to underestimate the depth of this teaching that he's uh, laying out here. Uh, but it's enough, it is enough, to consider this as the rebirth into each moment. <laughs> You know, the one moment to the next, to the next, to the next, because in this moment I didn't see clearly. And so the next moment, the likelihood of my not seeing clearly is there. Then the next moment, the likelihood of my not seeing clearly is there. You know, it's the same energy. It's the same construction, if you will, whether you look at it as moment to moment or lifetime to lifetime. So I also point to this because uh, when it arises, when craving arises, uh, we tend to take this craving very personally, you know? And, and it's not uncommon, at least if you're like me, to get into this, you know, what's wrong with me? What, what's with this wanting? Why do I have this wanting? Why can't I stop this craving uh, in the heart? But if you don't remember anything else that I say tonight, please just remember this. It's not personal. <laughs> This craving, and this, this actually took me a while to see, uh, to, uh, to get myself and to realize that everything that arises is not personal. And, and that includes this. And so this, uh, you know, it's, it's a rising out of conditions. And the condition of having been uh, born and died in ignorance. <laughs> or having lived this last moment in ignorance. And so here, here it is again. That is the condition that's giving rise to our craving in this heart. And, and it's very important that we realize this because it will temper how we look at it when it happens. You know, and, and we, we have to absolutely get to a place in our hearts where there's no judging, there's no um, sort of uh, attitude about the fact that it's there. We've got to clear the heart, uh, get it into a very balanced and open state to be able to see uh, the experience of craving so that we can feel its effects so that we can see where it leads, and this is all tied up with uh, our insight practice. So this, this, what's wrong with me, or in any way turning it back on ourselves, you know, is uh, so completely and utterly useless, <laughs> you know, just to, just to consider that and take that to heart. We simply just want to see it and feel it from within it, and so that we can see... Um, how useless and counterproductive craving itself is. It serves no, no helpful purpose. Uh, it, it's actually um, how, how we uh, become uh, free of it, really, is by turning to it and feeling it, just like everything that we've been talking about, not by fighting or resisting it. You know, the, the, the uh, deluded mind th- uh, who thinks that we're doing the work of enlightenment through this sense of self thinks it has to do the job of freedom, and it doesn't. So just helpful to you know, let that be a little mantra in the mind. Don't, don't, don't take it personally. Don't think of it as a personal arising. Like everything else, it's rising out of conditions. 
I hope that's useful to you. I mean, it was it was a, a, a significant realization for me in my own practice. Just to, you know, stop the beating up on yourself about what you see. Just see it. That's the job. That's the job of uh, meditation. So, as meditators, then we become uh, aware of, of craving for sense pleasures, craving for becoming, and craving for non-becoming. And as you look for these uh, impulses, uh, just another kind of tip, you know, try not to get too hung up on which one of it it is, you know, which craving is it, which form of craving uh, is it. Uh, Because we can do that. Now, somebody was asking about this today in one of the um, individual meetings, and, you know, how to use the teachings. When When you have a teaching, do you take the teaching and contemplate it and go looking for it in your practice? Or do you look at what's going on and then kind of come in the back door and see the teaching that way? And, um, you know, you probably had this question, I sure have. Uh, and it's, it's kind of both and, but um, you want to be careful, um, like say, looking for it. Uh, you do that a little bit to have a sense of what it is that we're talking about. You know, let me see, let me, let me have a look and see if I can notice this craving for sensual pleasures. And just, you know, put it in your mind, and, okay, I'm going to watch for that today. Uh, and, and then, you know, drop it. You, you, you get a sense of it, you know, very quickly. <laughs> you, you know what we're talking about here. Um, and really, in, in, in a way, it's, it's better just to um, sit back and follow the directions of meditation and, and trust that if you understand what he's saying here, if you've contemplated the teaching itself, then when you see it, you'll know it <laughs> as such. It, that, that data or that um, study that we do uh, is brought to bear on moments uh, when it's actually happening. And, and, and also it's, it's good to know that um, any time that you're looking at these lists, um, they're somewhat artificial. There's somewhat an artificial classification here. And the, the Buddha was great at this. I mean, he was just such a magnificent teacher. He's a great model maker, a great list maker, you may have noticed. You know? But this serves a very, very helpful purpose because it helps you remember the, 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 the things that he's wanting us to look to. You know, uh, like, oh, you go, oh, Oh, I know what this is. This is one of those hindrances. He said it. There it is. You know, it it, it works like that. And it's uh, very, 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 very helpful. Uh, But to know that, uh, particularly with this list and certainly with others, um, um, there's a a lot of overlap here. (laughs) You know, um, it's hard to discern sometimes which of these three uh, forms of craving one is stuck in because there's, there, it's very nuanced. <laughs> Any given moment, you might, uh, it's kind of like a multiple hindrance attack, you know, where you, you, you're caught in, you could call, any, call it any one of these three. You know, like say, for example, if you um, just, just notice what happens maybe when you see something that you like, and you start to, you know, you start to get that um, aroused feeling. And uh, then the, the, you can feel the body just start to lean into it, you know, and demand to just defy anybody to get in your way, you know, while you're trying to get to it, you know. So they're all three right there in, in one uh, moment's uh, arising of craving. So just, uh, you know, let it be nuanced. Uh, just know it, uh, know it as such. 
so there's much that we could say about it, and, and I, I want to look at it here in a, this evening in, in, a, in, in, in what I hope is a very practical way, practical in the sense of the kind of practice that you're doing here, uh, a way that you can really apply while you're practicing here at the Forest Refuge. Um, this is a, a place where we can see and learn in a very, very, I mean, the, the, the conditions are optimal. <laughs> you know, to, to uh, be able to see things in this way. Uh, and don't uh, underestimate the value of looking at um, and just ob- observing and, and what might seem like minor or insignificant moments of your practice, of what goes on throughout the day. You know, I know for myself and for many people I've talked to, hands down, across the board, the major insights have come <laughs> getting out of bed in the morning, eating your lunch, you know, these kinds of things. It, it, it's, it's happening in these ordinary, simple experiences if we just know how to look at what's going on in them, right? So uh, just to uh, realize that and, don't, and, and take full advantage of these, um, the practice that we're doing here and the fact that we, we've just cut down on so much of the activity uh, so that you can see into what has always been happening, <laughs> you know. But it's much simpler to see because there's not a lot of fluff and uh, layers uh, going on around it. It's very simple. So uh, use, you know. The, I guess the, the the thing here is to use it well. Use this simple environment very well. It's great for seeing craving. <laughs> So this first one, kama, kama tanha. Um, this is the, the wanting of sense pleasures, uh, primarily through the body, you know, just wanting sights and sounds and smells. Oh, the, you know, the smells coming from the kitchen and how, you know, all of a sudden it's like you, somebody put a leash around your neck and is pulling you towards it, you know. It's just can't, uh, can't wait to get there and see what that wonderful smell is. Uh, and... Uh, the, the point here is that we're constantly seeking, we're being led around by our senses in a way, and constantly seeking um, gratification through these objects that, that we find pleasing. And we do a lot of this, don't we? You know, um, I've, I, I call it my, my drippy, drooly <laughs> state. You know, it's like... <laughs> you know, I just can't, can't wait to get it, to taste it, to see it, to smell it, to whatever, you know. It, it, it's just a, a, sort of the, the curse of being a, having a lusty mind. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of pleasure in it, too. So one of, the, one of the best times to see it, and I know you know this, but it were, it's worth just shining a spotlight on, is at mealtime. And just, just notice it. And we can um, really um, lose our presence of mind uh, at these times. Uh, you know, it can feel like, uh, somebody was saying this to me a while back, it, it feels like the break. You know, I've been working so hard, now I get the break, you know, and, and go in and, and just indulge in some pleasures, you know, and then uh, uh, come out and get back to work. Well, man, if you're doing that, you're missing some of the best practice uh, that possibilities uh, here at the Forest Refuge. Just to be able to, to see what goes on, especially in that whole area back at the serving area where the toaster is and the water urn and the, you know, not, not just the tables, but all everything, where the dishes are, the spoons and the 
cups and all of that stuff, you know, how, how uh, chaotic it can get back in there and how busy. <laughs> you know, tune, tune into this. Uh, you know, here the, the cooks have prepared these uh, fabulous foods and um, especially on eggs and bagel morning, you know, it's like, oh man, you can cut the tension in that area with a knife. <laughs> it's like, it's like we never ate before, you know, <laughs> everybody wants, I want the eggs while they're hot, you know, and then, then you got to wait for the toaster and all that stuff. And, and it, it just gets very, very stirred up and you, you feel it, feel it, you know, what's going on there? It's, it's, and it's gotten that there's a good example of the mix of it too because there's a lot of this get out of my way you know <laughs> I want to I get my food and I want it while it's hot and I want it this way and I don't want that and yeah so t- tune into it I mean really just shine the spotlight this is a special a very special gift that we give you two or three times a day here uh, to be able to, to see uh, go ahead and eat but tune in to what's going on in this whole, in this whole process. Uh, take the time to pause and, and feel that energy and how uh, it all gets aroused. It's a, you know, kamatanha is like a frenzy. <sighs> and you get a good hit of that. You start to feel how unattractive it is and how absolutely unpleasant it is. You know, and, and compare it just play with it a little bit. Compare it to a relaxed moment. You know, or just let it go. Feel it. Ah, hmm. Ah, hmm. Go back and forth and, and let it make an impression on the mind. What, what, and it, the mind isn't stupid. <laughs> it knows, it can, it'll figure this out. It will know where it wants to be. You know? It just needs the data. I always, I always say this, those of you who know, know, have listened to me talk before, I just, I'm always looking for that good, clean data. You just want good, clean data. So you've got to get in there, you've got to notice it without any overlays and get that hit. And that's the stuff of liberation. That's what does it, is that uh, simple, direct knowledge, direct experience. So one of the one of my monk friends tells a friend uh, tells a story about how uh, when he first um, uh, became aware of this kamatanha on on alms round in Thailand, and uh, here he was being this dutiful I can just picture him being this dutiful devoted looking monk walking barefooted down the streets and the villages and in Thailand and uh, with with the alms bowl waiting to gracefully lean over and receive his food. And then he caught out of the corner of his eye that the people about a half a block down were giving out bananas. <laughs> and he, he said, the whole thing just fell apart, you know. <laughs> and he just quickened his pace, you know, and, and trying to uh, look like this... Uh, d- devoted monk who, who was, you know, um, drooling, chomping at the bit, you know, to, to get to those. But, and, and he said it wasn't, it was, it was telling. It wasn't very attractive, but he, and it, but he got the hit, you know, he really saw it. Uh, th- but this is the force of it, you know, it's hard, hard to stop that kind of thing. So lots of different places that we can look for it, too. This is, this is also uh, an area where we can transgress the third precept. 
Now I look at the third precept in a very broad-brushed way, not just as a sexual misconduct, but really that, that, uh, that place where we find people attractive for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, maybe it's the physical attraction, maybe it's some traits that we admire and uh, aspire to ourselves, something like that. But, but then we start to make objects out of them in our mind for our own gratification. You start to relate to them out of that uh, attraction that you have. Have you ever seen this? You know, it's, it's very, it's fascinating to watch. You know, I, I was watching it not that long ago and I was a little surprised when it came up, but just uh, finding somebody attractive and then, you know, acting like a, a grade school schoolgirl, you know, around it, just kind of saying stupid things and feeling all self-conscious and, and wanting to f- make this person uh, find me attractive, you know, that kind of thing. Um, this is kamatanha. This is a, the, that craving for sense pleasures, wanting to be gratified in this way. And it's very unpleasant. And especially in this kind of situation, it's very counterproductive because the, you know, what we want with people we admire is to find a way to be friends, you know, just we can be companions and learn from each other. And this, this whole construct will totally get in the way. You know, you can't get through that. So here's one, here's a good one to look at while you're here, is um, the pleasure of a comfortable bed. (laughs) Oh, I love this one. (laughs) This has been a very rich area in my own practice. (laughs) So who who hasn't craved for that? For especially like in the morning, that feeling of just just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes of comfort and warmth. And that dull, dreamy state where you don't really have to rise up and apply yourself to living this life, you know. Just, just uh, soaking in that. And, and the beauty of being on, on retreat, really, in a way, is that we have, the, we have each other. One of the things I've really relied on, especially on retreat, is the fact that I know that you're going to be in the hall at 5.30 in the morning. And if I don't get in there, you're, you're going to know that I didn't do it. Of course, nobody's looking, but that's what's going on inside here, you know. And so Sangha can be a, a huge help to, to overcome this thing, this kind of thing. But uh, I've actually um, found that uh, over the years, just from watching this whole enterprise that's going on in that simple thing, that, that bit that wants to roll over, and the bit that doesn't want to get out of bed and put your, get out of the warmth, put your feet on the cold tiles, scramble around to, to find the light switch, walking around in the dark. You know, one time I actually got a black eye doing that, you know, couldn't find my way around. Uh, and, and just uh, that, that whole thing that, that goes on there, how um, the, the mind over time, if you watch this, this, I'm telling you, this is rich, rich, rich. Um, then, again, the mind is not dumb. It will begin to realize that that laying in bed is far more unpleasant than the few moments of unpleasantness of leaving the warmth, touching the cold, and uh, rising up and getting starting the day. You know, but, but in a way, in the moment, and it, it's, a, it's like we don't know that. You know, we don't have the data to really uh, bring that home. 
But uh, we just, we want to be able to, to know that. So that really over the years, for myself and many people I've talked to as practitioners, they're, they're finding a remarkable change just taking place. There's not a lot of chatter. There's not a lot of thought. There's like, you're awake, get up, you know, just do it. And, and make, that, uh, make that move um, very simply. You know, it, it's better than lingering in kamatanha. I don't know anybody who likes that state. Look and see. What's it really like to lay there and the inner battle that goes on? It says, get up, no, I don't want to get up. Get up, no, I don't want to get up. Get up, no, I don't want to get up. Get up, no, I don't want to get up. You know, and then they're beating up on yourself because you, you didn't. And what's the matter with you? All that's, ah, oh, just get up. It's easier. <laughs> it's a lot less painful. <laughs> So, so um, here too, with the Kamatanha, um, and I'm finding that the living, um, living long, you know, 67 years old, living a while, alive a while, thank goodness, it, it has its advantages in this regard with Kamatanha, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not like these, these cravings particularly disappear, but they do have a way of slowing, uh, slowing down a little bit. I, I know that in my... In, in my youth, I could spend hours, and I did, hours and months and years, really, just, um, especially when I was making my first home, you know, uh, finding the right mirror, the right chair, the, just looking and looking. It all had to be perfect. It had to be the perfect sensory experience to, to go into the place, you know. Uh, but, but now, um, and I like to think of this as a fruit of practice, um, it, it's more like... Um, you know, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was looking at the window coverings, you know, and go, do I, do I want to upgrade those? Nah. <laughs> you know, it just, you just get that, no thanks. <laughs> and part of it is, I mean, part of it is probably old age. I'm just too tired. You know, it's good enough. Leave it alone. You know, but, but a lot of it is having seen the energy that can go into this kind of stuff and um, really delighting in that feeling which used to be sort of a resignation in my youth, eh, it's not good enough, it's not good enough, don't say it's good enough, it's not. Uh, But now it's more like, uh, yeah, it's good enough. (laughs) It's okay. It it becomes almost a question of how do I want to spend my time, you know, seeking sense pleasures in this way, or just letting things be the way that they are. There was one gal on, on retreat a while back put it this way. I just love what she said. She said, you know, I, I find I'm always disappointed in that second piece of cake. <laughs> and I said, that's it, isn't it? You know, you go for it and it just doesn't quite deliver. The, the craving is there. It's never as good as the first, she said. And so really with this one, through the years, uh, meditators report a, a significant release from uh, Kamatanha, just from seeing it, seeing and, and discerning for themselves from within the experience what it's like to be in that state. That's the, that's the main way that it gets uprooted. It's not pleasant. And the, the dukkha of it, <laughs> the dukkha of the wanting itself, 
is enough to really begin to make the, the, the necessary shifts. And it's all coming out of these simple moments, really, these very simple activities throughout the day. So, uh, and just an encouragement to make full use of that, okay? So, bhavatanha. Bhavatanha is the, the craving for becoming. And, and this is a state where one is always having to uh, do something in a way to, to get somewhere, go someplace soon. You know, it's kind of like a leaning, uh, that leaning to become somebody else, to, to do something else. And uh, maybe we're just caught up or preoccupied lots of the time with our to-do list or just being overly ambitious. Even uh, one of the things I've noticed with this one is sort of this tendency to measure the worth of the day, measuring my worth based on what I did, what I accomplished. You know, people say, how was your day? Oh, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, you know. This is all the fruits of following this uh, craving for becoming, that leaning that that thinks that we have to uh, complete a a certain amount of tasks or uh, fulfill things. It's it's, it's subtle than that, too. It's, It's just the leaning itself. And a gal on retreat one time characterized this very well too. She said, I often have the feeling that if I could just get through this week, just get done the things that I have to get done, that everything will be all right. But, she said, every week I've noticed it's the same thing. Can you feel it? It's the, the leaning the becoming, and actually what it's conditioning is more of the same. The delusion here, uh, that what it sets up is, if I could complete this, <laughs> I'll be happy. And uh, really, the, the freedom, the happiness comes in seeing what's driving that and breaking that, breaking that pattern. So this is often defined or described as, as kind of like a movement of the mind um, towards some place in the future, the sense of doing something now with an eye to later, with an eye to some other time. And it's very associated with a restlessness and agitation. You can feel it. It feels very anxious when you're in this state. And, and during your time here on, on retreat, um, look, you've you got, you got great opportunities when, whenever you're performing a task. And this is why, I mean, uh, I know, you know, the, the yogi jobs are um, a part of helping us keep the cost down and, and all like that, but they are very much a part of the practice that, that we're setting up for participants here, for meditators here, because um, of the potential, and the potential is great to see these, uh, this leaning um, in the doing of those tasks. And I'm sure you know what I mean. Um, you know, just see how strongly one, you can hold the idea in the mind of being finished and how that uh, it carries us through the task in a way such that you're always there, you're always in this idea about being finished and not actually doing the task. Yeah? And so we, we want to be able to see that and collapse that so that uh, you can break that habit of being in the experience from that vantage point and actually connect, connect with uh, 
the, the actual doing, the actual being. Lose this leaning into the next moment. And you might, you might have that feeling, which I've certainly seen in my own practice, is that, that uh, just that feeling of wanting to accomplish it, of wanting to be finished, so that, you know, you, you, you sort of can get this little happy feeling <laughs> at the point, at the moment of being done. You know, I've noticed this on, in walking, and uh, one time just uh, setting, setting up the walking path, and here I am, I'm against the wall here, I'm getting ready to do my walking path, got my sights on the wall on the other side of the room, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk so that I can get there. <laughs> you watch and look and see. And then, and actually, uh, one time, this one, this one cracked me up. I, I, I got there. And you know how you stop before you turn around to come back the other way? I stopped and stood there facing the wall. And I got this little thrill. <laughs> And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, the Buddha's right, that's what he's pointing to. You, you, you know, you feel good when you, when, you fin- when you finish the task. And then it's like, it's, you know, with walking, with these walking and sitting and everything we do here, it's, it, you can see the absurdity of it. Because it's like, what? So I can turn around and do it again? That's what I'm saying? You know, but, but, but there it is. <laughs> it's nuts. You've got to laugh and practice, don't you? <laughs> Really crazy stuff goes on. Yeah, and, and so, you know, we have this unique opportunity here to notice this kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, just look and see how you're approaching the sitting, how you're approaching the walking. If it's got this kind of, um, you know, do it until, until I'm done kind of thing, and then I can feel good about myself, and then I'll go and do the next thing until it's done, and then I'll feel good about myself. And, you know, you get the picture. I actually saw myself wanting one time, um, just kind of wanting to finish the sit so that I could uh, get up and go walking. And then I thought, you know, you don't love walking that much, you know. What is that, you know, that, that leaning uh, into, the, into the next moment? Like, as if, I mean, it's subtle, but it, and it's not like it's a crystalline thought, but it's that feeling that something else is better. It's sort of the grass is always greener syndrome. And feel it. We want to feel it. Because it, it's not, again, it's not a pleasant state. And uh, getting a good hit of it is what shifts it over time. Now here's a good thought, here's a good question though. I, I, one fellow on retreat one time asked, he had a great question. Uh, he was trying to sort this all out, looking at uh, this uh, leaning, this uh, craving for becoming. And he said, here I was, I was at the last sit of the day, and as I got up off my cushion and started to walk towards my room, I thought, well, I've got to go to my room now so I can brush my teeth, right? And then um, he he said, there was a leaning in that, wasn't there? And but he said, but I need to remember to brush my teeth when I get to the room. So how do I uh, keep that thought from being a moment of craving, being a moment of becoming? I, I thought this, was, this is a great question. This is what we're all trying to reconcile, trying to sort out in our practice, isn't it? 
How do we do that? And, and, and so we looked at it. I said, you know, well, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. But I guess the answer is, where is your mind? What, what are you tuning into? Uh, are you fixated on where you're going? That feel, that's one thing that feels like this. Or are you uh, fully present with each step and noticing the body as it's moving through space, moving through the, the hallway, feeling the sensations? Uh, you know, it, it's a matter of where you're pl- placing your attention. The idea that you're going somewhere uh, can become background. You know, look and see. It's kind of like, I mean, eventually I think it doesn't need to be there at all. You know, you'll brush your teeth perfectly well when you get to your room and see the sink, you know. Uh, it'll get stimulated that way. But as long as this is a question and this is a, something that we're trying to look at, it, play with it a little bit and see. Um, isn't it possible? It's kind of like background music. Isn't it possible that the bit that knows you're going to your room and that may, when you get there you'll probably brush your teeth, isn't it possible that that it can be just sort of back here somewhere? And that the dominant feature of this moment is this step and this step and this step. Yeah? And so just to, just to encourage you to play with that and, and, and see if that's not true. It's kind of like, I saw it once as like the computer screen where you click on the screen and uh, the whole big screen gets small and goes up in the corner, you know? It, it, becomes, it, becomes, it gets minimized. <laughs> it becomes background and uh, it's not the dominant feature of what's going on. So the trick is not to, to give that your full attention because then, you, you, you know, you get that thing like the, I think the, the image the Buddha used was the bull with a ring in its nose. You're just constantly being pulled along. You've got no option but to go where the farmer leads you, you know. Because we're glommed on to that thought this, through this craving for becoming. Leaning, leaning. So as I said, just play with it. it I don't know about you, but I, I love to play and practice. I just experiment, try things out, see if you can see, uh, set up conditions that help you see these things. And so this one too, Bawa Tanha, is, is, can be very strong in meditation practice. And, uh, uh, you know, we've all done this. We all have felt this. We know exactly what, the, what we're pointing to here. We, we want to enter jhana. We want to enter absorbed states. We, we, we read about the stages of insight. We read about the stages of awakening. And we want it. You know, we, we, all, we all want to become enlightened, that kind of thing, or become absorbed. And, and fair enough, we, we all want that. That's, that's uh, significant. And you do want to know that. I, th- I think that but w- what we can... What can happen here is that this uh, striving uh, for realization, for awakening, um, it, it's, if it's too heady, if it's too much of an idea and glomming onto an idea, then it, it is this bhava um, tanha. It's this, it's this becoming energy. And it, it's counterproductive. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a big obstacle in practice, and I'm sure you've seen it. Everybody here 
has probably done it in one way or, or another. Uh, and, and really, it's kind of like the background music story or image. Let uh, the, the thing that drives us in practice, this aspiration to be free, is very soft stuff. <laughs> it's very subtle. It's not this coarse craving for becoming. And you can have it there in your heart, and it can be driving you full on, but it's not uh, a craving for becoming. And the, the way that you can notice the difference, and you can feel this very directly, is that you know, aspiration, the energy of aspiration, will lift you up <laughs> and carry you along. Whereas the energy of, of uh, bhavatanha will weigh you down. <laughs> It'll bring you down into all kinds of black holes and <laughs> all kinds of things like this. So you look and see that this, see the difference between these two kinds of striving. They're critical, um, and uh, we're we're familiar with both, but one is useful and one is not. So bawa tanha. And f- finally, there's this um, last one, vibhavatanha, the craving for non-becoming. Crazy language, but uh, that's, what, that's how he puts it, or that's how the translator puts it. And this is kind of wanting to get rid of, wanting to get away from people, situations, uh, you know, the, the kind of the pushing them away, not wanting to be bothered. You know, I don't, I don't want this kind of energy. So uh, when we come in, into contact with people, situation, conditions, sometimes the things that are going on in our own minds, uh, feelings, pleasant, unpleasant feelings, then uh, there can be this mad scramble to get away from them. And you, know, you notice it, that, that that's right where the battle begins. Uh, and, and it's as if we're saying, um, if this wasn't happening, you know, if, if, it, uh, if this didn't happen in my life, in my past, in my history, then my life would be fine. Everything would be fine if this wasn't here, if this wasn't the case. Vibhavatanha can, can be seen as a movement away from things that uh, we don't want to associate with, that we find unpleasant and don't want. It's kind of a, like a not wanting to be born into something. <laughs> and, uh, my Dhamma buddy and I were talking about this a while back. Um, we have this uh, uncanny habit of working on the same kinds of things uh, almost consistently. Every time we talk, you know, say, say I'm seeing this, ah, oh, that's what I'm looking at, you know. So she was noticing how, uh, she was noticing Vibhavatanha, how one day she was sitting in the living room and it was summer and it was hot and it was getting really hot in the room and she could see the fan across the room and it wasn't turned on and she just, eh, I don't want to get up and turn it on, you know. A little bit of relief being a good steward for this body that's getting too hot, it's just steps away. (laughs) But you don't want to do it, you know. You don't want to get up and make that, uh, uh, apply that effort. Um, or, uh, you know, I, I've noticed it just in, in getting older, 
especially in the middle of the night when I have to pee and I don't want to get up and pee, that kind of thing, you know, that, that, uh, yeah, working, as I said, working with that one, fortunately I can report that it's pretty much over, <laughs> you know, just do it, you just get up and do it, take, take care of it. But we want to, uh, but um, uh, we, we don't, what's happening in this kind of thing is we don't want, we don't want to respond in the appropriate way. Something is needed and uh, the, the whole system doesn't want to rise up to do a simple task that is needed in this moment. And so honing in on these simple things can be very, very helpful in practice. And it doesn't take much. Just, I mean, I, I know this sounds so simple, but looking at simple things like that. It's gotten dark in the room. Get up and turn the light switch on. It's getting hot. Turn the fan on. It's getting cold. Turn the fan off. Turn the heat up. That kind of thing. Just to look and see the dance that can go on in the mind. <laughs> as we approach these simple everyday moments. See if you can see the vibhavatanha arising in the heart. Look at the craving and feel what that feels like. And so here too a subtle form of this occurs in the meditation practice. You know, we can have the desire to, to get rid of the defilements, to get rid of anger, I don't want to be so jealous. I want to get rid of my jealousy. I don't want to be anxious. I'm too nervous and restless and agitated. And, and on one hand, this makes sense. You know, this is what we're all trying to do. But it's just that that's not how it happens. <laughs> that's not how those things get uprooted by we bawatanha. That's how they persist. <laughs> you know? Ajahn Chah, one of his famous quotes, he said, if you hate it just a little bit, you're guaranteeing its return. Yeah? So it's like, don't, don't hate it. But the, the unawakened mind, the mind that is not seeing craving for what it is, uh, actually takes that bait and thinks that's going to do something. You know, resisting, hating, not wanting it to be that way or going into a full-blown uh, attack of vibhavatanha. So what, what it does is it locks us into the very behaviors that we're trying to overcome. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but there it is <laughs> for us to see and realize, you know. We, we want to stop, but you, you, can't, you can't stop by adopting another form of craving. You know, that's not how that's not how it plays out, and, and there's a, there's a a huge difference with getting free of something through wisdom and understanding, and compassion and holding it, uh, and vibhavatanha. You know, I, I I learned a long time ago. You know, if I if I any time I think I'm doing the practice, I can guarantee you I'm messing it up. <laughs> you know, in one way or another. So see if you can be sensitized to the the difference here and. Uh, the, the craving rooted in ignorance. We want to see this uh, so it can be uprooted. So uh, as practitioners, our, our task is to, to see these activities of mind. And, um, you know, I'd like to just encourage everybody to 
fully embrace and welcome your, your time here, the fact that we made the decision to be here and to um, devote a significant period of time to practice. Well, you know, all that's left, left is to do it, pull out all the stops and uh, enjoy it. It's easier than we think, you know. Um, you know, and try not to hate what we see or have a view about it. Just, just try to get in there and see. We can trust that, that that is the process. It's, it's a little bit different than we're used to, being so riddled with self-view, you know. You think you, you need a task driver, you need a tyrant, you need somebody issuing directives and handing out punishments, you know. <laughs> Thank goodness that's not the way. It's very painful stuff. So, uh, just, just trust this, and, and, and as I said, any time I'm, I'm trying to do the work of cleaning up my act, I'm quite sure I'm messing it up. So, uh, slowly we're, we're learning, uh, just a little side effect of all of this, is that we can enjoy pleasant things, and we can bear on pleasant things, and uh, without the leaning and the resisting. They're totally superfluous. They just have no bearing uh, on bringing us to a, a state of balance. And then, you know, you, you just kind of make peace with all of this and really begin to see for ourselves that it, it doesn't serve our, our purpose uh, at all of freedom to uh, see it any other way just to see the experience of these states and, and to take them in. And what happens over time is, um, yeah, and it takes time, let's be honest. Sometimes you have to see and feel uh, the impact of craving a couple of hundred gazillion times, you know, before it, it makes a, it, it, you get that good clean hit and you get a very clear impression. But this is actually what we want to do. It, it's like you, you, get, you get sick of it. You, you know? Do you ever have, get that? It's like I, sometimes I'd, I just look at a state and I just I am so sick of this. So tired of it. Yeah? This is really good. Man, if you hit that place. This is, the Buddha gives it a name. It's called Nibida. It's disgust. <laughs> it's, a, it's, an, it's a major turning point when we're looking at uh, uh, these states that need to be overcome, this craving that needs to be overcome. You get sick of it. <laughs> and then, uh, believe it or not, life is actually better. <laughs> Our lives are more rich and more fulfilling. And we're really moving very well along the path to freedom. So I offer these thoughts for your reflection tonight. I hope in some way they're useful. Shall we close with the... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.